0: Good morning. Good morning. How awesome is our God? Mm. Amen. 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 Awesome. Yeah. Today, the sermon title is A Little Bit Goes a Long Way. And you'll see what I mean by the title of this sermon today. A story. From Reader's Digest, called Gratitude, There's Always Room at the Table, it is about a man named Scott McCauley, who was 49 at the time of this story, which was in 2010. And the story goes like this. In September of 1985, when Scott was 24, his folks decided to get divorced. He was taught that to be a good son, he needed to be supportive and loving to each parent and to his siblings, but nobody was talking to anybody. And if you were nice to one parent, he says, the other one would get mad at you. So, October rolled around and Scott thought, what's gonna happen at Thanksgiving? And he just did not like the thought of being home alone or anywhere alone on Thanksgiving. And according to Scott, Thanksgiving is not about gifts or fireworks or hoopla. It's a meal gathered around a table where you can give thanks for the blessings you have. And you really can't do that by yourself and have much fun. So Scott decided to put an ad in the local paper. If people thought that they would find themselves alone, then they could give them a call and he would make them a Thanksgiving dinner. That was the first year. A few people came, and they had a good time. Scott was so nervous about making a mess out of the food and disappointing people. But the food was okay, and he didn't burn anything. And he has held that dinner every year since. And at Thanksgiving of 2008, 84 people showed up he says that sometimes those people are new to town, sometimes they are recently divorced or widowed, and he has had people who are new to the country and didn't speak any English, but they enjoyed his Thanksgiving dinner. He has had poor people, people who have come from AA, and elderly people. And also not counted within that number, he always feeds the police. Firefighters and EMTs are in buildings with kitchens and usually have their own Thanksgiving dinners among themselves. But the police officers are in their cars driving around town on call, so he feeds them. And in 2009, a woman with Parkinson's disease came, and she was not good on her feet, but she came anyway. She had been in a nursing home for seven years and had never been out of it. Somebody told her about the dinner, and she hired an ambulance to bring her at $200 plus mileage. She had a great time, and she cried when the ambulance came to come get her to bring her back home. She did not want to go home. Ironically enough, most of the people don't even know who Scott is. They know that there's some skinny guy in the kitchen... But they don't know his name. And Scott would tell you that the theme of his life and everything he does could be summed up with the name of an old hymn called Bright in the Corner Where You Are. And I'm going to read you verse 3 of that hymn. Here for all your talent, you may surely find a need. Here reflect the bright and morning star, even from your humble hand the bread of life may feed brighten the corner where you are and scott hopes that his legacy will be that he came into the world he brightened his corner and then quietly left the world unnoticed now why did i share that story with you well Today's big idea is that even with a little thanks, even with just a little bit, Christ can multiply our offerings and our blessings to bless others many times over. And I have some questions for today. How can we be a part of a miracle? How can we be empowered? How can we bless the world through our faith What is it that we have to give? And what small offering do we have to bless others? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you've given us this time to gather together in your name to sing praises to you and to hear the praises of your people. Right now, we ask that you open up our hearts and our minds to the words that you have for us today. Let the scripture transform us and renew us. Let it challenge us and create in us a curiosity to know you more. May God bless the reading of this word and the words of my mouth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today's scripture comes from John chapter 6, verses 1 through 15. And I'm going to start with the first part of that scripture, verses 1 through 9. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is, the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him, because they saw the signs he had performed By healing the sick. Then Jesus went upon a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover was drawing near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for all of these people to eat? Jesus asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. And Philip answered him, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Half a year. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother spoke up. Here was a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go amongst so many? I want us to pause right there at that question. How far could two pickled fish and five small barley loaves not fit enough normally for people to eat, but for animals to eat, feed a crowd so large. It amazes me to think about this miracle. And let's get to that miracle. Verses 10 through 15. Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, And so they all sat down. About 5,000 men were there. 5,000 men. Not including women and children were there. So, Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted And he did the same with the fish. Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. And when they all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather those pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled twelve baskets full with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who came into the world. Surely this is the chosen one. Surely this must be the Messiah. And Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, he withdrew again to a mountain by himself. That Jesus, always running away. Can never touch him. <coughs> so, that passage of scripture, albeit short, and not even the full of chapter 6, which includes many miracles, still amazes me to this day. This story is in my children's little Bible book. It's just so simple to tell. Jesus gave thanks, broke bread and some fish and gave to people. They ate were hungry and then they had leftovers. But it wasn't just like he was feeding a family of 10. He fed over 5,000 people. And they only numbered the men. They did not number the women and the children. How many people do you think it could possibly have been? A, A number of people that none of us have probably even ever seen in real life. Maybe we have. Maybe we've been to large crowds. Maybe we've been to huge events. But most of us haven't seen that large of a crowd of people, let alone trying to figure out how to feed them. This story comes shortly after Jesus healed the lame man, which Christian touched on last week. Jesus had just healed this man. And he had went to the temple, and everything was all good, but the Pharisees and stuff were looking after him. That's why Jesus ran away again. Jesus likes to do that. He does something big. He goes away for a little bit, does something big, goes away for a little bit, comes back again. They went to a secluded mountain where they thought no one was going to be there. I thought that was funny because you can clearly see the crowd following you. If you could not hear them, you could see them. But Jesus still tried to get away. To rest in his father. What did Jesus do here in this passage? Well, not only did he feed all those people, but he tested his disciples' faith. They asked the question, how can we feed so many people? We only have so much. It's going to cost us six months' wages in order to feed all these people. I can't figure it out. Like, we're going to rob a town blind of all their food just to feed these people for one meal. But Jesus knew what he was going to do, didn't he? He did a huge miracle, all by simply giving thanks and breaking bread and fish. And of course, rightly so, the people wanted to make Jesus their king after this miracle. They thought, this man has done so many great things for us, make him our king. We don't even care. Just... We follow him forever. But what I also want us to notice is that even a bit of gratitude can open up the storehouses of heaven. Even just a little bit of gratitude. Jesus seemingly did nothing. All he said was, thank you, God. And yet, a miracle occurred. And of course, As he judged, Jesus needed time to rest in the Father afterward. Jesus often used ordinary, everyday items to teach people and to showcase the glory of God. He used simple bread and simple fish to showcase the glory of God and to teach people about what it is to follow him. And just as Jesus later called himself the bread of life, he used bread given to him by a young boy to share with a huge crowd. And in all of the other gospels that tell the story, they do not pick out that it's a young boy simply bringing his lunch along with him. John wanted to point that out. That it came that the small offering came from a small, even smaller source. A young boy. And of course, the Gospel of John is usually spiritually and theologically charged. And this miracle is no different. Jesus already knew that he was going to perform this miracle as he was in tune with the Holy Spirit and the Father's will, he knew what he was going to do. Okay. How can we be a part of a miracle? How can we? Do? How can we be like this young boy who talked about the sack lunch to be a part of a miracle? miracle beyond anyone's wildest dreams. We can be a part of a miracle by being obedient to the Holy Spirit and His timing. What must we do? We must practice gratitude. We must recognize the blessings in our lives. And of course, we must know the voice Of the Holy Spirit. We must be able to sense with our ears and our hearts and our soul that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you to do something. How can we be empowered? We can be empowered by being filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus did not do his miracles alone, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was willing and obedient to do everything that he can, that he could, to make these things happen, to showcase the glory of God. I how can we bless the world through our faith? How can we be a part of a miracle? How can we be in power? And how can we bless the world through our faith? We can live out our Christ-like example And demonstrate our love for one another. What do we have to give? Well, we have everything to give that God has given us. And what's most important is that we can give the world hope. We can give the world a hope that says, Jesus is Lord. And he can reign over your life. And you can live life abundantly. And live forever with him. That's the hope that we give. That the people don't have to be stuck as to where they are. That they can live a life full of him. And better than they had before. And what small offering do we have to bless others? We can give any part of our lives or ourselves to others, even if it is very small, like five loaves and two fish. Or maybe it's a listening ear. Maybe it's volunteering your time, feeding others. Or maybe you shop for somebody. Or maybe you read to someone who can't see, see very well anymore. Or maybe you simply just show up in someone else's life. What is it that you have to bring to give to others? Today's sermon in a sentence is this. Even our smallest offerings can make a huge impact. Even the smallest things that we have in our lives can create a ripple effect of a massive impact in the lives of others around you, in the lives of those people that are surrounding, the people that are surrounded by you, and so on and so forth. I was reminded recently of how much of an impact teachers bring. I was simply thinking about my favorite teacher who has since passed, and the things that she taught me as a first grader to keep my curiosity and my mind open and to help me love learning even more than I already did, and to question things that I had thought previously before, to try to learn what they really were about, that teacher made an impact in my life. Not only was she my favorite teacher, she was my neighbor. I could go to her house and gain wisdom from her and her husband, and they had a pool. (laughs) So that was really great. (laughs) So in the summer, we would go down and we would swim there. And I could see her every day if I wanted to. Um, And her family and everyone was just so welcoming and loving that I will cherish those memories forever. But I want us to think about those people that have made an impact in our lives as well. And not only... the. Strict Sunday school answer of Jesus, but think about the people who did Jesus to you. Think about those people when you think about doing something small for someone, because you just might be that person in someone else's life. Even our smallest offerings can make a huge impact. Let's pray. Father God, you are here with us in this room. We thank you for being here. We thank you for just. We thank you for speaking to us. In the words that were said, in the pauses, in the thinking, in the scripture, we thank you for being here with us. Help us, Lord, to give of ourselves to others. Help us to make an impact in someone else's life, even if we don't know it. Help us to be a part of a miracle. Help us see things through that we've been praying for for years. Help us to persevere, Lord. Help us to see the hope that is you in the lives of those who don't know you. Even now, Lord, your grace is working in the lives of others and in our lives. May that love be shown through us, in us and through us, to others. We thank you, God, for who you are. In all you've done, we love you, Lord, and in your name we pray. Amen.
1: About two thousand years ago on uh, Sunday evening. The first Sunday evening, the first resurrection Sunday evening, Jesus showed up in the middle of his disciples and when they least expected it. He has a tendency to do that too. Sometimes he runs and sometimes he shows up when you weren't looking for him. They're in there with their doors locked, hoping that nobody would come to bother them. And then the next thing they know, Jesus is standing there going, Peace. He probably didn't do that. <laughs> I just made that part up. Peace. Receive the Holy Spirit. As my Father sent me, I send you. Still true. As the Father sent him, and as Jesus sent the first disciples, he still sends us. Go. You are sent.